I V M. I'm used to it now. I don't mind talking about it because people just want to know what it's like. But other times I get so offended by these questions that I just walk away. When it all started, that time at the concert all those years ago, I had no idea my life was about to go through a convoluted course that took me from raging frenzies to deplorable pits. When I was very young, I thought my experiences were entirely typical. I thought that constant fights between parents was a standard thing. I thought all mothers yelled and shrieked on a daily basis or stayed in their rooms for days when they didn't feel good. I thought all fathers went away for weeks on business, not realizing it was an escape. I did have moments of realization that maybe she was different from other mothers. But something inside me would shrug the thought away. In hindsight, I know that there was something peculiar about my childhood experiences and if things were better, we could have lived an alternative that I kept hoping for as I got older. One where my family was functional and normal. Now when I look at my daughter, I think about my childhood. I think about how I was affected by my early experiences without even realizing the undercurrent of mental unease that always lurked nearby. I wonder if my later experiences in life would have permitted me to understand what plagued my mother for as long as I knew her so that I could make sense of her behavior. I wonder if I had a better understanding of what my mother was going through in her head that we could have been more supportive. But most of all, I think about how I, a spitting image of my mother in so many ways, can function with utmost normalcy for myself, my family, and others around me. My mother was difficult to say the least. Of course she loved me and I loved her and we still do, but as a child, it was hard to keep up with her emotions. If my brother or I pissed her off, she would blow up into metaphorical smithereens with rage or tears. Other times, her erratic behavior would show up in ways where she would, for example, take us out shopping during our exams and buy us every toy we wanted for no particular reason. I remember her crying often, often enough to know as I was getting older, that it was different from other mothers her age, like my aunts and parents' friends. She also went through phases where she slept for the better part of the day, missing important events like doctor's appointments or school obligations and other commitments, which really affected my younger brother and me, especially when my father was out of town. The ups and downs in our lives were too many to keep track of and took a toll on our studies and the way we grew up. I remember this one incident when I was 10, and it still seems like it was yesterday. I was home with my younger brother watching TV in our room and my parents got into a huge fight and we could hear them screaming at each other. The look of utter fear on my brother's face is etched in my memory. All I could do was calm him down as the cacophony grew louder, reassuring him with promises that I knew I couldn't keep, that everything will just be fine and that they're not hurting each other. When I peered through the slight opening in the door in the living room, I saw my mother throwing things around and breaking our glass cabinets and everything they contained. My father was watching in despair with his hands on his head, shouting at her to stop, and then shook her vigorously in an attempt to rattle her back to reality. Another time, when I was 13, while we were on vacation in Goa, I slipped on a wet puddle near the hotel pool and fell, scratching up my elbows. Even though I wasn't hurt badly, my mother scolded me in front of everyone at the pool. 
and proceeded to hit me for being clumsy. What was supposed to be a fun family vacation turned out to be a humiliating nightmare. Whenever I reveal stories of my childhood, I met with gasps, sympathy, disbelief, or any number of grim reactions. Now at 35, I don't believe I had a bad mother. I just think I had a misunderstood mother. This realization came about my own experience down that dark path. It wasn't until I was 15 and she was 38 that my parents broke out from their denial and decided to seek help. My mother's aunt, who lived in Germany, was visiting India and stayed with us for two weeks, during which she witnessed firsthand what my mother was like in the throes of depression. My mother followed through with none of the elaborate plans she had made before her aunt arrived. All she did those two weeks was stay in her room, sleep, and cry. When my mom's aunt spoke to my father about this, he broke down, talked about all that we were going through. It was probably the first time my father put aside his tough guy persona and let his guard down about my mother's situation. She then convinced my parents to see a psychiatrist. At first, my mother laid out reason after reason to her aunt as to why it wasn't her who needed help and that she wasn't some crazy lunatic who needed to be dumped in an insane asylum. It was after much coaxing by my aunt, her husband, and us, her two begging and crying children, that she made the first appointment. I didn't go to any of her appointments with her, but all I know is that whatever it was worked like magic. It did take a few months of trial and error with different medications and various doses, but after that, things were never the same again, in a good way. Her moods were stabilized, her relationship with my father and with us improved, and she seemed free from the turmoil that she had been experiencing. Of course, there were still some bad days, but they were once in a blue moon compared to the frequency of her problems in the past. She was able to better take care of her general health and well-being and was able to be the wife and mother that she always wanted to be. After one of her psychiatric appointments a year later, she came home and started profusely apologizing to my father, my brother, and me about everything that had happened. We wanted so desperately for her to be well all those years that we did not hold any resentment and hugged her until we all burst into tears. That day is probably the fondest memory of my family when I was growing up. The positivity at home reflected in my studies as my grades started improving. When I was in junior college, I decided I wanted to go abroad to pursue my interest in political science. At 18, I went to university in the United States with the blessing and support of my parents. I did very well during the first year of my undergrad. But some things just did not feel right. I got homesick a lot after the novelty of being somewhere new wore off. I missed the food, the help, the convenience, and even the traffic and noisiness back home. I found myself feeling lonely even when I was with a bunch of friends sometimes. I noticed long periods of somewhat depressed feelings, but discounted those because I would also feel extremely elated on other days. I would stay up studying for days, completing projects, and even doing extra credit assignments. On the other hand, sometimes I would sleep for days and even miss class. I did wonder if my mother's struggles were echoed in my own life in some way. But there was hope in me, knowing that not all mental health conditions are hereditary and mostly not wanting to believe that it could be possible. I always thought I would never behave the way she did. I know what it feels like to be on the receiving end. I know how to handle myself better than she did. Yet, it wasn't entirely up to me. At the beginning of my third year at university, 
I went to a concert that was held on campus. It was a massive event organized by the student council. And I'd been very excited about it. For a few weeks before the concert, I was ecstatic. And I even went on a shopping spree to buy a new outfit for myself and somehow ended up with six different outfits. I couldn't sleep for the nights leading up to it. Finally, the day of the concert had arrived and I was thrilled. Before the concert, a few of my friends had commented saying I was acting unusually hyper, but just chalked it up to the general buzz and excitement. When we walked over to campus, I was running back and forth between the sidewalks and even tried to get out of being checked by the security guards at the entrance for no apparent reason. That is the extent of my clear memory. What happened after that was a blur. I vaguely remember shouting and getting into fights and even started ripping all my clothes off before being restrained by the campus security. The next thing I know, I woke up in a hospital bed. My roommate was next to me, along with a doctor and some nurses. They had conducted blood tests on me to see if I had voluntarily or involuntarily consumed drugs, but the results were negative, which is when the psychiatrist stepped in. After a detailed assessment of my vitals, mental status, and family history, he concluded by telling me what I had been afraid to hear since I was 15. She said that I had had a psychotic episode and that I had symptoms of bipolar disorder. Bipolar disorder. I hated those words. I hated hearing it that day as much as I hated the sound of it five years ago when my mother returned from the psychiatrist the first time. Strangely enough, a huge part of me felt relieved. I was comforted by the fact that I was diagnosed at a much earlier age than my mother was. I found solace in the knowledge that my condition could be controlled well enough for me to lead a normal life. I was relieved that there was an explanation for my erratic behavior off late. The months that followed were crucial in my journey. I was adjusting to my new medications, which were meant to rectify the chemical imbalance in my brain. I was on a quest to find a therapist that I liked, which is not always a one-and-done situation. Also, my family were really shocked about my diagnosis and were finding it as hard to be 15,000 kilometers away as I was finding it to live alone. But we made it work, and things were getting easier for sure. I had to explain to my friends that bipolar disorder did not mean being happy one second and sad the next. The use of the term casually in conversation led to many myths like calling a moody or indecisive person bipolar. I had to explain that there was so much more to having bipolar disorder than just having low and high moods. The persistence of the condition is something most people ignore. After a few months of counseling with a therapist and frequent visits to the psychiatrist for medication management, I started attending group therapy once a week for people who have bipolar disorder. I learned so many interesting things in that group. I found out that even though there's a strong genetic component of the disorder, such as in my case, not all people who have bipolar disorder have family members who have had it, and vice versa. The stories of resilience that I heard in those groups certainly gave me hope for a successful recovery and maintenance. I completed my undergrad having excelled in my course and even went on to get a master's degree in political science with consistent visits to my doctors and therapists. By this time, I was functioning like anyone else I knew. I took it in my stride that I would have to be on the medication on a long-term basis and even explained to cynics that if I had diabetes, I'd be taking medication every day for the foreseeable future too. So why is this any different? 
The double standard between physical and mental health conditions always bothers me. And I realized it was important to talk about both physical and mental wellness together on par with each other. After I moved back to India, I met the person who's now my husband. I told him everything about my life and my condition and that I was in therapy for it. And he loved me for who I am. After we got married, we talked at length about whether we should start a family. I was terrified of pregnancy and hormonal changes affecting me. I was worried about not being able to take medication during my pregnancy. I was concerned about the risk of developing postpartum depression. And of course, I was worried about my child having bipolar disorder. To clear these doubts, we visited my therapist often and discussed the risks and precautions we could take. I switched to medications that were safe during pregnancy and breastfeeding while being monitored regularly. And I'm thrilled to say, my daughter was born healthy. For more information about bipolar disorder or other mental health issues, go to www.empowerminds.com That's www.mpowerminds.com Or call 97028 That's 97028 Triple zero, double four.